Welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman, the podcast dedicated to helping you build the business of your dreams and live the life you always hoped for, with valuable and fun tips and info to make your life easier and more fun. And now, here's your host, a man who sprinkles metal shavings on his breakfast cereal just for fun, Jason Silverman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. I'm your host, Jason Silverman, and I'm thrilled to share some time with you once again today. As you know, I'm always on the hunt for interesting as well as super smart Real Deal guests. And i got to tell you, today's show is a winner. I want to introduce my listeners to somebody who's truly been there and done that, and most importantly, has the ability to share his steps with others so that you can also follow in his footsteps. Now... As always, I'm excited to pick his brain for your benefit today. Now, for the folks who I work with in any of my coaching programs, mastermind groups, or through Powerful Words Character Development or All-Star Cheer Sites, you know how much I focus on the importance of developing a proper entrepreneurial mindset, right? Well, this show is going to help us to do just that. So today it's going to be my honor and privilege to share an amazing resource with you. You're going to love today's guest. He's got a ton of valuable information about a super hot topic to help you succeed, as well as a fun way to deliver it. So I want you to strap yourself in. Today's show is going to be a blast. As I'm sure you already know, I'm committed to helping business owners like you to become more successful, enjoy your career more, and in general, make your life significantly more fun. Because let's face it, we only get one trip around this merry-go-round, so we want to make sure it's one hell of a ride. All right, boys and girls, it is now that time. I want you to stop surfing Facebook, put down your phone, your tablet, your dog, your cat, your child, your spouse, anything that might possibly distract you from today's show. You're about to get some great and immediately usable information, and I don't want you to miss even a second of it. So before we officially get going, I want to give you a little bit of background about our guest today. Dr. Gene Lander is a high-tech startup executive turned educator and writer. As a businessman, he originated the Chuck E. Cheese concept of family entertainment, among other entrepreneurial ventures. After years of interacting with creative and overachieving personalities, he decided to document the inner workings of what made them tick and did his doctoral dissertation on the Jungian psychology of success. Dr. Gene lectures extensively on the vagaries of eminence and teaches MBAs at the Hodges University Graduate School in Southwest Florida. Robert Toth, a creative genius in sculpturing, wrote in 2010, Dr. Landrum, you've been my inspiration from your first book, Profiles of Genius. Last night, I stayed up all night reading The Superman Syndrome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being my inspiration. My family thought I was weird, but you've validated my life calling. Author Lee Meltier, in an introduction in 2010, said, Dr. Gene, your books have been the most inspiring of anything I've ever read. You're one of the true experts in entrepreneurship and one of the best thinkers of today. Wow. Folks, it is my honor and my pleasure to bring you Dr. Gene. Dr. Gene, welcome to The Real Deal. I'm thrilled to have you today. Hey, Jason. Thank you very much. Boy, how do I follow that, dude? <laughs> 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 well, well, you know, anyway, it, yeah. none of that happens by accident, right? Well, and that is absolutely true. And um, it, it, you, you almost, um, your audience, you, you, you have to be willing to go where the people won't go. And, uh, and, and follow your, you know, I, I'm a fan of Joseph Campbell. Follow your bliss. Um, do what, uh, you know, uh, you know, float your boat, if you will. And, uh, you just have to, uh, you have to go. Um, and, uh, and if people ask me, what are some of the, some of the things? And, you know, um, uh, remove your inhibitions. Um, and, 
and it's okay to be different and, uh, you know, and find the herd and go someplace else. Don't go down the same road. People say, well, how do you, you know, if you're doing what everybody else is doing, guess what? You're going to get what everybody else is getting. <laughs> Don't do it. Right? Which, which, for the most part, is probably not a whole heck of a lot. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, uh, uh, you know, most people think, you know, you, you, uh, and, and my mother was that way from the old school. You go to school, you get a, a pedigree, and then you sit at a desk somewhere, and someday somebody gives you a gold watch. Well, you know what? That's uh, And uh, I have a story I tell about that because uh, uh, I was, um, you know, having done the Chuck E. Cheese thing. Uh, my uh, mother, you know, you know they asked her, well, what do you think of, uh, you know, what your son is doing? And, and she didn't get it. She thought, uh, you know, and she said, well, honey, why don't you get a real job? And when I was doing Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> Mom, I'm not doing something unique and different. But I didn't, she didn't get it. She didn't get me, you know, because she thought I was being so uniquely different. She didn't, of course, you got to remember, she said this back in, when I first opened that first Chuck E. Cheese, I'll never forget the day, Jason. It was May 17th, 1977. And I opened that thing. And, uh, you know, I never know. And you, you know, when you do things like that, you woke up that morning and say, God, what if nobody shows? <laughs> what if nobody comes, right? <laughs> anyway. Well, no, that, I mean, that, that, that's a big deal. And I'm sure, you know, so many of my listeners are saying the exact same thing. I mean, whether you open, you know, anything when you're dealing with, with people's kids. You know what if what if no one shows? Yeah, exactly. And uh, and and you know people will tell you. Um, I don't know if you were back then. Um, uh, we were part of Atari, and uh, I was the assistant to the chairman of Atari when I did that. Opened that first store, and we were bought by Warner Warner Bros. You know, a sixteen billion dollar company. And I'll never forget as long as I live. The head of Warner, he's a Harvard guy. You know, he's well educated. And whatever, and he came in and he said, uh, that Chucky Cheese costume you got, somebody told me you spent $5,000 for that costume. And he said, that is really stupid. That is, here's a Harvard guy, he's CEO. That is really a stupid idea. And, uh, and what he didn't get, the first thing you do, Jason, of anything costs a lot of money. Uh, you know, in the third store, you know what they cost me? Three hundred dollars. Three hundred. You know, and, and what if I listen to that idiot? <laughs> I mean, and, and, and I got to tell you this other story since we're on this pack. Um, I uh, I was a big time racquetball player back then. I was ranked in the United States in racquetball. I was very good. And, and uh, the CEO of Holiday Inn was a racquetball player, and uh, he invited me down to Memphis. Uh, to see if we could do a deal. And I thought we had a real uh, deal that we could have done with uh, Holiday Inn. He was the CEO of Holiday Inn. And the Holiday Inn did a lot of food and stuff. And all we wanted to do was do games back then uh, at Chuck E. Cheese. But I thought they could do the food and we could do the games. And I'm not sure as long as I live. We were uh, eating afterwards. And I said, well, tell me, Mike. I'm not sure his name. Mike Rose. I, I said, Mike, what do you think of the, of the concept here? And he kind of just kind of uh, uh, took a sip of his uh, drink, and, and he looked up and he said, Eugene, let me tell you something. You know what? We kill rats in all of our food places, and you've got a rat delivering pizzas to, to parties. <laughs> he said, what are you doing, man? <laughs> and 
I couldn't resist, Jason. You know, I told him, I said, yeah, and we have three times the revenue to the average pizza store in the United States. Back then, that average pizza store did about 300 grand a year. We were doing a million three. At 23% pre-tax profits. Wow. Uh, and, and, and you know what? The little small stores, you know, Baskin Robbins, they do about 23% profits, pre-tax profits. Uh, but big stores that do, like, McDonald's was doing about what we are, a million three. You know what McDonald's does pre-tax profits? 5%, 6%, 7%. Wow. We were, we were a home run. And well, people don't get it, Jason. I mean, they don't get it. They drive me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's interesting because you, you did something nobody else had done, right? It was definitely, definitely a gamble. Oh, it was a big-time gamble. No, no question about it. But you know what? And I tell people this for your listeners. You know, if it's not dangerous, then don't do it. Don't go. I mean, because uh, if if it's too easy, and then it's sure, and it's without uh, any chance of failure, well, you know what? I, the bigger the chance, I give, I, I, I draw a risk reward curve on this. Uh, if you take few risks in life, you don't have very big chances of losses. And I do a curve on this. And if you take really big chances, and you know, you, could you lose? Yeah, but you have really big potential wins. So where are you going to be on that curve? And I, I tell my students that. Look at this curve. Here's a curve. Where do you want to be on that curve? Most people, Jason, want to be in the middle or, or lower on that curve. They want to be down there uh, where, uh, you know, there's very little or, or much less chance of failure. And you know what? And I, I've my whole life, Jason, I've lived right up there on the edge. I don't know if you're aware of it in your listeners, but I... I've probably won 100 tennis tournaments. I was once ranked uh, third in the United States in racquetball. I was the California champion in racquetball. You know why? I was on the edge. I would do what other people wouldn't do. <laughs> and you've got to do business the same way. And if you, if you want, then most people aren't willing to go there, Jason. They just well, aren't willing. How do, you, how do you get somebody to start... Um, even getting into the mindset of living on the edge. I mean, I've, I've got, understand this. So I've got folks who, you know, maybe this is their first entrepreneurial endeavor or maybe, maybe they've done this stuff before. How do you get them thinking? I mean, I understand this. I've, I've, I've run my own businesses now for what, close to 18 years. Um, I get, I get the whole concept of the edge. Where would you, okay. where would you start somebody? Well, I don't know. I, I, I like to use quotes. I like to quote other, People and uh, I have a very philosophic nature. Uh, I, I guess if I had my life over, I'd probably be a philosopher. But I, I quote a guy named Arthur Schopenhauer. This was 150 years ago, and I found this, and it's it's really what it answers your question, Jason. What you were just saying, and he said all truth passes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed, then it is violently opposed, and finally, it accepted as self-evident. <laughs> and uh, that is so profound. He said, at first, uh, they're gonna say, you, uh, your parents, your mates, your everybody will tell you you're nuts. And, and, then, and then finally, they, you know, they, you know they'll, they'll oppose you. And then finally, they say, oh, because uh, you know, the people at the early stages that thought I was nuts, a lot of the bankers at Chuck E. Cheese, then they came in and said, oh, my God, look what you did. This is pretty good. But at first, it was too dangerous. They ain't, they ain't going there, right? Mm, of course <laughs> They're not playing. They're not going to play the game. Okay, so, uh, and, uh, and I write about entrepreneurial wind kids. I don't know if you're aware of it, I was very fortunate. I spent 20 years in Silicon Valley, 
and, um, and and people ask me, what is it that made you? And well, I spent uh, I, I got out of school, uh, my master's degree, and I went to Silicon Valley, and I was very fortunate. I knew Bob Noyce, who started Intel. Mm-hmm. I knew Bob. I had lunch with Bill Hewlett of Hewlett Packard. I worked with Bushnell, the guy who invented Pong and Games, and uh, I knew Larry Ellison at Oracle, and I knew Steve Jobs, by the way, back uh, when, uh, and Steve was uh, pretty young, and uh, and and so uh, what, the reason I write books now, Jason, is that uh, I said, what did these people have in common? They were different. Here are the people who changed, and you know, Silicon Valley, I don't know if you're aware of it. It's going to come down, I think, uh, 25, 30 years from now, as one of the eras, one of the things was almost like Greece was 25, 30 years ago with uh, Socrates and Aristotle, etc. They're going to look back at Silicon Valley, what happened there. And I don't know if you were, what happened in Silicon Valley is unbelievable. It wasn't just that I, I started Chuck E. Cheese there. That's where the first uh, you know, video game was done. It's the very first... Uh, I can just go on and on. Uh, the first programmable computer by Steve Jobs. Uh, uh, Larry Ellison did uh, Oracle and, and just on and on. And, uh, and, and, and so what I did, Jason, I looked back and said, what did these people have in common? Well, Jason, first of all, they had egos bigger than God. <laughs> <laughs> they were egomaniacs. They had the charisma of an evangelist almost. They could talk their way in and out of problems. Unbelievable. They had very short attention spans. Attention span of an epileptic. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, they had a vision. They were like fortune tellers. And guess what? Did they live on the edge? They had the risk-taking propensity of an astronaut. And they had the passion of a teenager on Viagra, if I can say that. <laughs> So they passionate. You got it, baby. Wow. wow. So what? What made the? What was it that the, they were wired this way from birth, or is it because they were in the environment? What? What? Do, what have you found to be the? Uh, the catalyst? well, hey, hey, guess what? Yeah, it, it, it's I do a whole thing on this, and I write about this. I know you want ever want my books or after this thing, you know, email me or call me or whatever. But uh, I, uh, I, I, the question you say, that's very good, Jason. That's exactly. Why? What? What is it? I, you know, what made me different? Why is my mother telling me what I was doing was nuts, was crazy? Uh, and, and I'll tell you a, a quickie. I, 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 was, I spoke to the U.S. Capitol with Trent Lott. Wow. And, and, and I'm going to answer your question here in a minute on what this is about. But, uh, and I called my mother. I said, Mom, I'm going to the United States Capitol. She lived in Fort Myers back then. It was 1998. And uh, she's over, and uh, I said, Mom, I'm going to U.S. Capitol. And my mother, you know, your mothers never get over it. You're just always a kid to them. They don't get you, you know, even if you do. And my mother, you know what the answer was on the phone? She said, why? <laughs> why? Are you in trouble? <laughs> why, are you, why are you going to U.S. Capitol? Mom, I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> it cracked me up. But anyway, so back to the, uh, I forget the question now. What was the question? Well, we're talking about, you know, what was the, what's the catalyst? Was it a matter of them being in the environment? or? Oh, were they just, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The catalyst is that, uh, first of all, it's a, uh, I happen to be a very, very a big picture kind of guy. I've always been that way. I have, I'm very right brain oriented. Uh, and I don't know if you're aware, the 88 to 94% of the world are left brain dominant. 
They call it concrete sequential psychology. Okay. They see the little stuff and they just walk through life. That's how they do the life and whatever. And a few people, the real geniuses, I mean, the big picture people, have a right brain orientation. They see what they call in psychology the gestalt. They mm-hmm. see it the big kids. They're the whiz kids. They're the ones who, who change the world. And, uh, and a lot of people, when they see you or talk to you, they think you're nuts. I mean, they think you're, uh, you're, 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 you're kind of crazy. Um, and, um, uh, and, uh, like, you know, Debbie Fields, who did the idea of a cookie store, mm-hmm. and everybody told her, oh, that's, uh, it, that's a very bad idea. And, uh, it, it's, uh, uh, and it happened to me, uh, when I, I'm not sure where, but I introduced the first handheld calculator with transcendental functions that sold for under $100. Uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, slide rules, you know, back then were, you know, nine bucks, you know, fifteen bucks. And then I sold the first handheld calculator that sold under ten bucks. Nine ninety five. I did that back, this was four years ago. But everybody said, what are you doing? You're nuts. You are crazy. <laughs> and, uh, you, you, and I have this theory now. Don't listen to experts. And, and, and let me tell you that. Here's a quote that if anybody wants to write down, uh, a quote, but uh, an expert, you know what an expert is, Jason? Someone that has such a psychological investment in what is that they never ever can see what might be. They get lost in what is because that's safe, that's sure, that's you know. And uh, and and guess what? And uh, because of that, and uh, I, you never see yourself as successful. I don't know if you're aware of it, but uh, three years ago I was at Dallas Stadium and they put me on the 50-yard line and inducted me into the International Entrepreneurship Hall of Fame. And why? Uh, I launched five firms. I took three of them to 100 million revenues in two years. Who's done that? I didn't know I was doing it, but I was willing to do what other people wouldn't do. And, uh, and, and you, you have to... Uh, be willing to do that. You asked me a question that was pretty um, uh, good uh, before. What is it? Well, you know what I found when I was doing research? Some of the great entrepreneurs and visionaries who changed the world uh, tend to be firstborn. Mm. And and I did some research. I said, wait a minute. Now, I don't know. What are you, Jason? Are you, are you firstborn or secondborn? I'm, I'm the secondborn. You're second? Okay, that's... Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's uh, yeah, that's fine. But the people who actually change the world tend to be firstborn. And I said, what the hell has that got to do with anything? That's what you would ask. What? What are you getting? What does that got to do? Because I, you know, I'm, I'm an only child. But the firstborn tend to be willing at the very three years old, four years old. They're doing stuff on their own. They're learning to go where nobody else is uh, without even knowing it. And, and then, so I did some research. Are you aware the first 17 astronauts that were, ever went in space? They, 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 some of them were physicists, some of them were engineers. They, every single one was first born. That's wow. wild. I said, what in the world? Uh, they were all the very first born uh, of the family. And when you're first, you're willing to go do things that a lot of other people wouldn't do. And I found, uh, and then I did a lot of research and it was really strange. I, I went back and looked at the first, I think, 60 people that I ever had ever researched. And they had all kinds of different, uh, you know, people who I'm writing about. Uh, and, uh, but the one thing, every single one of them were the firstborn. I said, wow, 
that is crazy. <laughs> that nuts or what? It really uh, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, and and the other thing I found uh, when I was doing uh, uh, when I, I'm looking at Steve Jobs, I'm looking at Richard Branson, you know, the Virgin guy, mm-hmm. and Jeff Bezos, right? Amazon.com. Yep. yep. And Michael Dell. You know, one thing they have in common. I I, I called it rushing sickness. Are they in a hurry? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're type A's. They're, they have a type A behavior. They're kind of manic. They're, they're go, go, go. And so you, you need to go, go, go because the whole, most, a lot of people are not go, 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 right? No, uh, exactly. They usually they, sit, sit, sit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They sit, you know, and, uh, and okay, it's, uh, and it's the, uh, uh, thing that they are, uh, you know, they're like that. It's, uh, I, I find it really quite interesting. So I, have a, I actually have a, I have a systemic question for you because, you know, I, I, okay. many of, uh, many of the folks who I work with, you know, we go over and, 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 and help them actually develop business systems that, you know, allow them to actually run businesses, you know, that work net of them. So I, I guess what would you say, um, you've found as far as, and, and this could be more general, uh, but, you know, again, if it's a particular system, that's interesting. But what would you say are the top three systems that, you know, any business needs to have in place in order for it to run successfully? Okay, let me uh, think about that. But uh, let me start with one thing that I have found. Uh, that uh, I just say, you know, I was a math major at Tulane. Okay. And when I was young and, and you know, <laughs> And you've heard it yourself, Jason. Have you ever heard, and the people listening to you, oh, you can't do it, it's not in the budget. Yep. You ever hear the politicians say that? Oh, you can't do that, it's not in the budget. Uh, politicians are saying it, they say it. Most people in business are telling you that. Because why? Because they don't want to rock the boat. And they tell you, if it's not budgeted, we're not doing it. And uh, it's... Uh, it, it kind of it, it drove me crazy because I then went to Silicon Valley uh, because everybody was doing budgets. And when I landed in Silicon Valley, I, I told you I met the, you know the icons, the Jobs, and the, the, all those people. Uh, do you think they would have ever told anybody you can't do it? It's not in the budget. No. Never, ever, ever, ever. You think Steve Jobs would have ever said that? All these guys became billionaires. They wouldn't say that. They don't listen to bean counters. I shouldn't say it like that again. <laughs> <laughs> but guess what, Jason? The world's not analog, or it is analog, it's not digital. It's qualitative, not quantitative. So stop getting lost in this quantitative nightmare. It drives me crazy. Look at Zuckerberg. Do you, th- you think he's like that? Mark Zuckerberg. You know, he's one of, he became a billionaire, what, 24 years old? Facebook? And, 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 and what did he say? Move fast and break things. Yep. <laughs> yeah, or you were that submission statement of Facebook. I don't think you people knew that. What's that got to do with Facebook? Move fast and break things. That's his mission statement. And and guess what? I mean, that's what it's uh, all about. And it's uh, uh, you know, it, it's uh, you know, most people aren't willing to go play that game. And, um, so the speed so. the speed component is there. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. You wanted to what three? I mean, Three things I just told you. The one, uh, what were the three things you wanted again? So the really the three top systems that you would say every business really needs to make sure that it's successful. 
Well, you, I, I told you earlier, you got to go where the pack is not. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have the order to do that. And I just told you, you better have a rushing sickness. You better go, uh, go fast, go, go, go. And, um, and you, you better have a, uh, uh, a, a kind of an intuitive sense, uh, that, um, uh, what you're doing is, don't do something, uh, see a lot of people want to start a business and they go start a little ice cream parlor that they can do a quarter million a year or something, you know, and guess what? Uh, a quarter million a year, how are you going to make a hundred thousand bucks? If you food costs, labor costs, occupancy costs, etc. You can't do that. Uh, so it, it, you better, it better be something that a whole bunch of people want. So the third thing is revenue. You, you need to be able to do a whole bunch of, of revenues. Okay. Uh, you, you, you gotta go uh, do, uh, yeah, uh, some uh, pretty uh, good sized businesses. Okay. So introduce new products into new markets with new innovative uses, uh, by new production distribution strategies and, uh, you, you create a new organizational method that is quite unique. And you gotta go, you gotta be able to go do that. And, uh, so many people can't go, can't do that. It's well, driving me crazy. Well, one thing, <laughs> what's, what's really interesting is like, you know, I, I know you started these firms. Um, he, and here's the difference in thinking, or one of the main differences in thinking. I can't imagine you ever sat down and said, okay, I'm going to open Chuck E. Cheese because I'm the one who wants to sit behind the counter and cash in tickets and give out little pieces of plastic prizes. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, uh, that had nothing to do with it at all. It's, uh, I, uh, I opened the, uh, the Chuck E. Cheese thing because, uh, it, it, I don't know if your people are aware of this, but, uh, um, back then, uh, I was working for Atari, who was doing games, Nolan Bushnell, and uh, he, uh, he learned early, I think, he, he used to say, you're a quick sketch, you get stuff quick. <laughs> and I have always been able to do that, and he said, we've got a problem, and uh, I don't know if you're aware of it, there's an ordinance in every city in the United States has an ordinance. Um, a, a law on the books that you cannot have more than two corn-operated systems. They did this back in the 30s, 40s, 50s, back yonder, and they passed all the laws. And you know what those two things were, Jason? What's that? You had one cigarette machine, which had a corn operation, and back then you could have a pinball machine, only one. But pinball machines could be hangouts or gun malls, druggies, whatever. So you could only have uh, two things. Uh, maybe one pinball machine, if you serve for the drinks, and then Bushnell said, he's got a games company, he said, Gene, will you try to figure out how we can get around this? Well, the first thing I did was, I said, and I have this big picture thing, I said, well, wait a minute, Disneyland has hundreds of games. They have hundreds. They, they, they don't have, you know, that kind of a law system. And so the first thing I did, Jason, I thought, well, i got to build a mini Disneyland. Ha, ha, ha. And you know how to do, Jason? It's a true story. I went down and sat at the Bear Country Jamboree in Disney. And I sat there. No, this is true story. I sat there for a week watching, and I just wanted to see what's going on. And I know there's, there's grandparents and parents and kids. And so they had created something cross-generational that was that the big, you know, older people could tolerate and enjoy, and the parents could, and the kids could. So I said, I said, I've got to do this. I've got to, and they won't, uh, uh, nobody will tell me I can't put a bunch of games in. And, uh, and so I've got to do the same thing that Disney pulled off and did. And that's what I did. I said, I'm going to build a mini Disney 
And that's what I was trying to do when I kind of pulled it off. They, they've changed it a bit these days, so it's a little different. Uh, but in any case, that was my strategy. And when you do a strategy, you should uh, have uh, some understanding of uh, where you're going, why you're going, and what's the win at the end of the game. That's and huge. You, and you always start at the end, by the way. Uh, start at the end. Never start at the beginning. I tell people this, Jason. I don't, have you ever written? Have you written a book? Or I have. You, I have. You? I have. Okay. Well, you, I tell people this. They say, well, what do you do? I've written 21 books. I said, write the last paragraph. And they look at me. I said, what? I, I, and I said, well, the last paragraph, why? Because that's the end. Now go back to the beginning, and now you know where you're going. And, you know, you, you know where you're going. So begin, and then are you going to tweak probably where you're going on the way back? Sure. You tweak it on the way back. <laughs> so do that. Okay. That that's enormous. How, I have to ask this question: when you when you were building that concept, um, how how were you able to really go through and and and, and build out, you know, the, the kind of business that actually keeps energy up um, and and people excited to be there, especially when you're dealing with such a such a young demographic. Uh, well, it, it's you, you have to make it, you know. In, in fact, hey, let me answer very candidly, whatever. I told myself, and I told you, I have a very philosophic nature. And I said, I want a kid to walk in the front door and look around. And without me saying it, my joint. They look inside, my joint. Can I make noise? Can I run around? Can I, can you do that in a normal restaurant? See, we take kids to a restaurant, and you've done this, I had children. You take them on Friday night, you're sitting at a white tablecloth restaurant, what are you saying? Shh, be quiet. Sit there. What do you, you know? And and the kids, without saying anything, will, will listen. You're the, uh, you know, mom and pop and mom and whatever. But they they know and they're saying it's not my joint. It's not mine. I, you know, I, and they, and I said I wanted to pull that off. And I think I pulled that off at Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say so. I mean, for for what it's worth, I've got a, uh, I've got a five and a four year old, and you know even. I was downstairs before um, letting them know that I was actually, I had the opportunity to speak with the man who started Chuck E. Cheese, and you would have thought, like, all hell broke loose in my house, going, my, my, son, was, my, my son was convinced that Chuck E. was upstairs. <laughs> so, um, you know, anyway, but, yeah, and, it's, uh, and I think it's somewhat paradoxical. Uh, um, I don't know if you're aware of this. I don't want to get too... Uh, uh, philosophic here in our discussion, but I have I use a, what I call the paradox of creativity in education, and you may want to use this on your children. Um, are you aware that twenty percent of high school dropouts are gifted? No, one out of every five uh, uh, kids who are gifted drop out. You know why? They're bored. They don't want to hang there. They don't want to, you know. It's why some of the uh, look at Michael Dell and Steve Jobs. None of them graduated from college. Why? They want to. They want to play that kid. They want to go. And, and I have some data on this. I don't have to worry of it. The creativity that you have in your brain uh, at age five, and you get kids at the right age. Remember this. This is probably the most important thing I'm telling you, Jason, for your family and your kids. At age five, they got 100% of their creative potential. They got it all, 100%. Whatever it is. Now, some of them might be really creative and some may not be so creative. But whatever they got, they got it all. Do you, are you aware of this? They've done studies. By age seven, Okay, two years later, you know what they got? 
They lost 50%. How in the hell do you lose half of your creative potential in two years? You know why? They walked into a schoolroom and people said, shut up. Be quiet. You can't be like that. Do that. And it, it, a regiment. They're putting them into a regiment. Okay? They're putting them into a regimental system. Uh, and, and saying, you know, no, you can't be like that. You can't be that creative. Whatever. And so they stop letting their brain function openly. And, and, and I, I did a lot of research on this. And guess what? At 16, you know how much they got left? 25%. They were 75% by the time they're 16 years old when they're getting into high school. Uh, and at 40 years old, you know what the average person in the United States has? 1%. How much? You lost 99% of your creative potential by the time you're 40 years old. Why? You told sit there, sit at the desk, draw within the lines, you know, conform, be like the rest of the world. Ha! They're programmed. We've been in programmed. And, you know, that's why the billionaires like Gates, Dell, Jobs, Ellison, they all dropped out. Because they didn't want to play that game. It dropped out. Okay. Wow. Uh, and in any case, uh, and in fact, I have a great quote from a guy. He died a few years ago who I had chatted with, Paul Tor- Dr. Paul Torrance. He was an eminent child psychologist. You know what he said? Don't teach children to be creative. Just stop interfering with it. <laughs> Most children, he said, have knocked out of them by the fourth grade. <laughs> and he's right. <laughs> he was right. Uh, anyway. That, well, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I've seen this, you know, I ran a martial arts school for a whole lot of years after I, uh, after my corporate career. And I remember talking to, um, talking to maybe some of my seven to nine year olds and saying, you know, asking the question, well, can you fly? Well, no, absolutely not. And then asking my, my, my four to five year olds, can you, can you fly? And one was like, I don't know. Let's try. <laughs> yeah, so that 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 really that really breaks it down. I've never heard those statistics though, and that's that's frightening on every level. Well, it is, and here's one of the things I do. I tell people because I do so much lecturing. Um, it, it's what I call the problem resolution mantra. Go to the beach, and what am I saying? And uh, I don't know if you're near a beach, but I live down here near a beach. And so I, I was teaching in grad school. I said, "Eureka, a moment." Uh, and, and I have a lot of data on this, occur in the shower or at the beach. Or, or, you've done this probably. Have you ever woken up, Jason, at 3 o'clock in the morning, and you woke up and you say, oh, my God, oh, oh, that problem I had, this is what I should do. Absolutely. And, and you know why? It's not an accident. It happens in the shower. It happens at the beach. Why? Because you've turned off the left side of your brain, and your right side has free ability to concoct up and transform you and to solve problems. So uh, uh, act like you're at the beach or at 3 a.m. because uh, you're, you're shutting down the left side of the brain. And I tell people here, just go take a walk on the beach. Just go walk, take a walk, and shut off that left side and go ho, ho, ho. And then suddenly, boom. Okay? And, I, and, and, and like I tell people, hold your planning sessions. Not in the office where people are programmed in structure. Go to the beach or go, go somewhere else and hold it in some other place where they're not so in such a structured environment. You gotta go there, okay? Wow. Okay, so for for everybody reading this or, or listening to this uh, podcast, saying, "Okay, I got to do my 2015 planning," um, I, I, maybe we'll just charter a plane and, and, and head down to Florida. Come on down to San, and we'll go out in the sand and we'll sit there. And uh, <laughs> and if I can uh, tell them one thing, I have a thing I call Doctor Gene soliloquy. 
And, uh, and and this is one of the important things I believe, and I don't know how I came up with this, but I must have been out on the beach. And I said, it's okay to not know. It is also okay to not know and not know it. <laughs> it is not okay to not know and not admit it. And God forbid you don't know and you don't know you don't and you don't care. <laughs> now, I went through a bunch of stuff there, but I mean, guess what? It's a mind thing, right? It's Dr. Gene's soliloquy. It's okay to not know. It's okay not to know and don't know it. God forbid you don't know and you don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's absolutely And, 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 and I, I do another thing. I, because I do these philosophical things all the time. You don't know where you're going and it will take you on a highway to nowhere, but why go? <laughs> okay? So go out there and you'll find some new routes to drive you, okay? All right? This is this is this is brilliant. Oh, actually, you know, at this point, it's t- it's time for our resource of the week. So, Dr. Gene, tell me this: Where can folks find all of your books, uh, information about um, your lectures, or, or really pretty much how you go about helping folks to uh, to take it to the next level? Well, I'm, I'm speaking at the Think and Grow Rich in uh, I guess the early March in San Diego. Again, the Think and Grow Rich Napoleon Hill Foundation. I was out there. Uh, uh, a couple of months ago, but they're having me back. Uh, so I go there, but uh, my name is Gene Landrum, G-E-N-E-L-A-N-D-R-U-M. And if you go on to Gene Landrum, uh, you know, uh, you know, dot com, you'll see my website. Uh, but my email, if you want to email me and ask me a question, is Gene Landrum at earthlink.net. Gene Landrum at earthlink.net. Email me and I'll answer any of your questions and and tell you how to, what I call mind modeling. How do you cope with stress? Well, you remove, remove the pessimism from your head. Okay? Stop. <laughs> Change what you are to get what you're not, right? <laughs> wow. And, and you know what? I, I finish it. Sometimes I make a speech and I used to tell my class, look, uh, at the end, you know, indulge in a glass of wine. And I'm not telling you to go drink, but hey, when you're mind, you're loose. You get loose. And, and let your you know mind drift and let yourself go. And we get too uptight, okay? We, we just get too uptight. It's not good. <laughs> wow. This is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So, okay, so they, they can actually grab all your books there as well. Perfect. Dr. Gene, i, I got to tell you, thank you so much for joining me today. I know how busy your schedule is, and it, just, it means the world to me that you share some of your experience, some of your wisdom, um, and your time with us. Oh, no, it's my pleasure, Jason. Thank you very much. I like people who think and trying to help other people who should be thinking better. And I am, if you get to Naples, uh, give me a jingle. We'll go have lunch. We'll go to the beach and watch the dolphins, okay? I absolutely. And, um, I, absolutely. Uh, I appreciate it, and... Uh, and thank you for having me, okay? Thank you. Folks, that's all the time we've got today. Thanks so much for tuning in to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. For more information about private coaching or see if you'd benefit from one of our mastermind groups, visit me over at www.jasonmsilverman.com. Until next time, I hope you have a spectacular week. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. To access the great resources mentioned in the show and for information on coaching and mastermind group opportunities with Jason, please visit jasonmsilverman.com.